Welcome on in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Jones Report. Tyler Jones here with you. So glad to have you with us today. Coming up in just a few minutes, going to be joined by Harold Kuntz of WDAF in Kansas City. That is Fox 4. He said to join us, formerly of the News on 6, our old friend from uh, out there in Tulsa, set to join us uh, in just a little while from right now. Very happy for Harold to get this opportunity to uh, move up to Kansas City. We'll talk about that, his move and a look back on his time in Tulsa, and also uh, get the chance to chat with him uh, about the uh, sports scene up here. Talk some uh, KU and Big 12, that fight for the Big 12 championship going on right now. Also get his insights on the Chiefs and the Royals. He was down in Surprise, Arizona earlier this week for Royal Spring Training. Is that already got going? Can't believe it that we're already talking about Royal Spring Training underway uh but he was already there and i got some good intel on what's going on there fresh off a trip from daytona beach florida for the daytona 500 what an incredible experience the daytona 500 was truly one of the best sporting events i've ever covered and you know last week on the show uh i talked about in detail kind of what i'd seen and that was still very early in the week and as the week progressed it only got better uh by the end of it of all the things that i saw uh, by the end of the week and to cap it all off with the great american race and a very good race we saw the racing action that we've been wanting to see all week long of cars running side by side contending for the lead a lot of lead changes a lot of passing there were some big time crashes late in this race and denny hamlin ultimately walks out the victor but at the end of the day it was an incredible story of denny hamlin winning this race and it goes back to, you know, you, you have to go back a bit to when Denny Hamlin was, you know, on his way up to Cup, and J.D. Gibbs had recommended to Joe and said, hey, you need to hire Denny to drive your car and take over that 11 team, try to find a driver. And a lot of people wondered, you know, who's this Denny Hamlin guy? Why should he be the one in this car? And Joe Gibbs took a chance on him, sure enough. It worked out. He's got you know 32 wins in his Cup career, including winning that Daytona 500 last week. So it a terrific story, a great career that it turned out to be. And then you fast forward to 2015 at J.D. Gibbs, who you know is the co-owner, Joe's son of uh, Joe Gibbs Racing, and heavily involved in that program, was diagnosed with a brain tumor. Uh, January rolls around, and J.D. ends up passing away. And then you roll to the Daytona 500. And it's the first race of J.D. Gibbs not there and Joe Gibbs and this team running without J.D. And they made it very clear from the onset that this was going to be about J.D. getting a win for J.D. And they did just that. And not only did they get a win for J.D. Gibbs, they finished 1-2-3 in the Daytona 500. It made for an emotional day, emotional victory lane scene. And to see that up front, to see the raw emotion and reaction was just unbelievable hearing joe gibbs say that you know this was the biggest and emotional win of his career was just uh amazing to hear from joe gibbs and just seeing that raw reaction at daytona was just outstanding to see and that i mean it's hard to describe almost uh of seeing that firsthand of exactly what was that was like and then to cap it all off uh, Joe Gibbs in his uh, post-race news conference, he says to uh, all of his media, he said, you guys know the tradition. When we win the Daytona 500, what do we do? We go to Steak and Shake. And 
So he decides that, you know, hey, they're going to go to Steak and Shake and says that we're all invited, all of us media, and then he's buying. Well, I had this idea. I said, you know what? I'm going to go. I'm going to drop by just for a little bit. And I don't know how long I'll stay, stay per se, but at least I'll drop by anyway. And within about, you know, five to ten minutes, uh, the group I was with, there was about nine of us. We get seated. And, uh, you know, there's Joe there. And he's sitting with two burgers in hand, french fries, beans, you know, some type of bean soup of some sorts, and a shake. The trophy's right there. And they could be as cool as you can imagine. Just very laid back and just enjoying themselves. It was so cool to see. It was just like they're one of us, as if we were celebrating, you know, some award we had just gotten. Like, oh, yeah, let's go get ice cream at Steak and Shake of some sorts. That's how it felt with Joe Gibbs and company winning the 500. Then, about 30 minutes later, Diddy Hamill and his family arrive, his beautiful wife, and the place just goes crazy. And it was so cool to see. And they're just enjoying themselves. Kyle Larson even showed up. And it was just so cool to see these guys just being themselves and, you know, enjoying the moment. And that's what this was all about, was just enjoying and living that moment of winning the Daytona 500. It, it, it was unreal to see. And I've always been a fan of Joe Gibbs, and I've always been, you know, a fan of Denny Hamlin. I've always liked those guys. But now my respect level and my admiration for them is higher than it's ever been before after what I saw from those guys and the way they reacted that Daytona 500 win. That was for J.D. And, you know, sure enough, Joe Gibbs, he kept to his word. He did end up paying for my meal. And those of us that were there, there was only about 10 to 15 media members were there. And I got to talk to, got the chance to talk to Joe and Denny real briefly. And I thank them, congratulate them. And it was probably the highlight of my week was getting to see that moment. And it's a story I'll be telling my grandkids one day. And I'm glad I can tell you just relive that moment of what a way it was to cap off that week, and I could not be happier. You know, since Jeff Gordon retired, I have not had a favorite driver. So going into this weekend, uh, I like Clint Boyer, and I thought that that would have been the scenario that I most likely would want to see, especially coverage-wise, if I got the chance to cover Clint Boyer winning the Daytona 500. How cool that would be. But you know what? Looking back after all that happened, and Clint ran a very good race, this was probably the best scenario to see of that moment for Joe Gibbs to get to share that victory with Denny Hamlin after J.D.'s death and just what this did for that family. To me, I don't know if you could add anything better, and for that Joe Gibbs racing driver to do it, Denny Hamlin, J.D.'s guy, to get that win. I don't know if there could have been a better story than what we saw on Sunday than that being the case. And just surreal, to say the least. And uh, I loved it. I can't wait to go back. Take it was fantastic. I hope I'm back every year. And it was definitely one for the memory books that will uh, certainly be lasting a lifetime. No doubt about that. Uh, let's go ahead and let you hear from Harold Kuntz of uh, WDAF, Fox 4 in Kansas City. Got a lot to talk about with Harold. And then uh, we'll come back and wrap things up here on today's edition of the Jones Report right now. 
Well, at this time, ladies and gentlemen, we welcome into the program from Fox 4 in Kansas City. That's new to say. I'm used to saying from the news on 6 in Tulsa, but it's our old friend Harold Kuntz who's back with us once again, and I'm pleased to welcome him to town. He joins us right now. Harold, what's happening? Welcome to uh, Kansas City, and uh, glad to have you here. What's uh, what's going on? It's going well. I'm just getting adjusted to the new area. Um, thankfully, I've been here before, so I'm not a complete stranger, but at the end of the day, still a lot to learn about a new town, so I'm looking forward to all the excitement that is Kansas City sports. And your first week on the job, you were sent down to a spring training with the Royals, and you're already back. How, how was the surprise Arizona, my friend? You know, actually, it was a little bit chillier than, you know, typical Arizona weather, but I'm going to digress for that because there's still snow all over the place in Kansas City. So, But uh, the Royals were good. You know, it's a good organization, young team. Um a lot of young arms, got to figure out a bullpen, got to figure out a rotation. That Jones has no idea what he's doing with uh, as, as, at the moment with the rotation. But we'll see what happens with them because, you know, they got, a lot of, they got a lot of pieces to the puzzle. Just got to see if they can put it all together. Yeah, exactly, exactly, they, for sure. And, and uh, I, I saw that article in the Star earlier this week about how uh, they want to give fans something to remember in you know September, you know, a reason to root for uh, after coming off that 100 loss season uh, a year ago. Harold, uh, first and foremost, making this move from T Town to KC, not far up the road, but a much bigger market at that. Uh, you spent a good amount of time down there in uh, Tulsa. Why, why the move now to uh, KC, and uh, what uh, what are you excited about uh, about seeing in uh, in the KC area? Well, Tyler, I think it just came down to, you know, A, my contract was ending. So usually when you do stuff like that, you start looking around just, you know, to protect your butt, protect your butt when it comes to negotiations and everything that comes with television. But I think at the end of the day, as I discussed with my wife, it just came down to a point where, you know, I was just ready to kind of, you know, see what was out there. Uh, told, um, baseball, I've always been very, very good to myself and my wife. We have a lot of lifelong friends there, but it was time for me professionally to just see what happens, you know, get to a professional market, which Kansas City most certainly is, and see how it goes. And if I like it, great. And if not, then, you know, I could always go back to a smaller town, which, you know, I feel like I'm kind of a small town guy, to be honest with you. But even though I'm from a city like Nashville, I, still, I always feel like I'm from a small town. And just see what, see what, see what life holds, see what this adventure brings, and I explained to people that it was an adventure. It's an adventure and a, a new step going on this way to journey to Kansas City. But I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to seeing all that uh, happens on the way. Yeah, and uh, Fox Four. You know, they've had some a lot of you know turnover in the uh, last couple months. But uh, you and Rob Collins taking over that sports department. You've already been to spring training. He's been to the Daytona 500. Uh, of course, Fox Four has been number one in ratings for a long time in KC. I mean. Uh, you guys are uh, getting after it right away uh, since taking over. That uh, you guys are you're hitting the the gas pedal hard right away with uh, all the stuff you're covering heading into uh, March, which is no bigger month in Kansas City than uh, what's to come next month. Yeah, no, it, it, you're exactly right. It's been uh, it's been something where I just you know I'm just trying to keep my head afloat, and uh, they say, "Hey, do this, do this," and I'm like, "Okay, I'll I'll do it," but I'll just. You know, one thing is, after a while, you realize, you know, where you go, the microphone's still a microphone, television's still television, and you just make it happen. So, that, with that all being said, you know, I'm just trying to make it convenient for myself and make sure that, you know, I get all my uh, 
T's and Q's, P's, T's and not T's crossed, the I's dotted. If you know what I'm saying? So, yeah, just getting that all together. Yeah, well, that's great. That's great, uh, Harold. Uh, let's start out with the uh, the the Royals who you saw down there in uh, spring training and everything. You mentioned the uh, bullpen that Ned Yost is still trying to figure out. The uh, they, they made a lot of signings within the last couple of weeks of some guys that most people have no idea who they are. Uh, I mean, I, I guess try to add some depth and just trying to find some diamonds in the rut uh, to figure out who belongs on this roster and could make an impact uh, because, I mean, there wasn't a whole lot of things that necessarily stood out from that you know decent amount of guys they brought in within the last few weeks. Yeah, it's, um, you know, it's going to take a lot of time and a lot of spring training to figure out what what exactly they want to do with their um, with everything they got there. So, I mean, you bring in a guy like Boxberg, you bring in a guy like Storin, you bring in a bunch of guys that are all capable of doing one thing, but at the end of the day, you know, they got to still figure out how, <laughs> you know, how they put it all together, what order they want, what rotation do they want. So it's going to be very difficult for uh, Yost to kind of put piece that all together. But at the end of the day, it still comes down to, all right, what's going to give us the best chance to win? And you guys got guys like Brad Keller, comes off nine wins, put him into rotation, other guys. I mean, it's going to be a few people that they can put together that are just going to be good for um, the foundation of their organization going forward. Right, right. And one of those guys is uh, Brady Singer, who they used their number one draft pick on uh, last season. And, and a lot of talk about him, what he did in you know for the University of Florida and as much hype as there was around him. What was the talk about uh, Brady Singer and what did you see from him down there in Arizona? He's getting better. You know, I think the main thing is him along with other guys just, you know, they're just trying to develop these arms. <laughs> and, and it goes for all of them. There's a couple other first-round picks. I mean, you talk about a guy like Zimmer, who's also in that same situation. They're all just trying to get it pieced together. But at the end of the day, it's just, how can you deliver now? So, will they put you in Omaha? Will they put you in Northwest Arkansas? A guy like Singer is just one of those guys of many that you just, have to sit there and tell yourself, all right, what can I do for the club? And Dayton Moore has always been a guy like, all right, can you throw strikes? Yeah, can you can can you have do you have commanded amount? And so is Joe. So you're just looking for those type of principles, and hopefully going forward, somebody like Singer can can do something like that. Yeah, hopefully so. That's uh, definitely the thought on that. Harold Coots joining us here on the program right now. Harold, uh, you know, with with this team, the mindset that we heard about this group, that they want to compete, they want to contend, but reality is, you know, this team is still a long ways away from being a World Series contender once again. Uh, I mean, I, I guess that when you go into 2019, I mean, you don't want to have a season like you did a year ago. But if this team can get, you know, somewhere between, you know, I guess 70 and 80 wins of some sorts, would is that what we're looking at for a successful season? What's the mark of a successful season, you think, for the uh, Royals realistically going into this year? Yeah, 70 to 75 is where I put them at. Um, they're just It's just one of those situations where they, um, as an organization, I mean, they're still just incredibly young. So they're just trying to get make sure that they put the pieces together and, Try to get 70, 75 wins. I mean, that would be a 16 win improvement. I think the best first thing I heard was Danny Duffy put it put it best. He said, uh, "He said quite simply, he's like, man, 104 games sucked last year. <laughs> so, so yeah, that's that's kind of where they're at." Yeah, 
Yeah, it makes sense. And uh, you know, seventy or seventy to seventy-seven is just about right to keep ticket prices down and food cheap at uh, at Kauffman Stadium. So uh, that might actually please some fans if uh, they can get to that seventy to seventy-seven win mark. Uh, as far as that goes, uh, Harold, uh, the Chiefs finalized their coaching staff to work with uh, Steve Spagnola there uh, in KC. We know that defense needs drastic help and. It looks like they're going to run a 4-3 defense as well. Uh, besides any personnel or whatever, obviously they're going to, you know, they they are going to franchise tag D Ford, but just switching to that 4-3 and getting new faces involved uh, should help that defense. About anything's got to be better than what Bob Sutton was throwing out there a season ago. <laughs> yeah, Spagnuolo's been around for a bit, man. He's he's a good dude, and uh, he's. Uh, you know, he's actually, since he's been off for a year, he's still actually studied some film on NFL films about defense, still kept abreast of the game, still trying to keep up with everything that's going on with uh, your modern-day NFL defense. And they've got pieces. There's talent there on the Chiefs. I think they just need to put, be put in the right place. I think we say a lot of this around the, big, the time with the Big 12 where sometimes it's just like, all right, just need to be put in the right pieces, in the, in the places, I should say. And that's a, definitely a situation where, they're getting that with um, with the Chiefs and Spagnola and his staff. I mean, he worked for a long time with the Giants. He, um, you know, so he had some good, formidable defenses with the Giants. He's an experienced guy. He's an Andy Reid guy. He's worked under him. So I think the old saying is the right hand talks to the left hand, the left hand talks to the right hand. That's going to go along well with their defensive staff. And it should be something where I, I should see, you should see improvement out of the Chiefs once they uh, – Get that defensive staff, get hands on with the talent they have. Guys like, you know, you said earlier, D Ford. I mean, well, so for one, that they learned, they tell D Ford to not line up offside. So, yeah. So, but Sagnola should be great. Yeah, no, he, he should be. And uh, just, just back off a little bit, T Ford, and, and let your guys get interceptions, and you just might be in the Super Bowl uh, in, instead, <laughs> going the other way around. Uh, Harold, in case people don't know, you're a lifelong Eagles fan. What's it like? What's it going to be like for you getting to cover Andy Reid after all these years of uh, following the Eagles as a fan and everything? Well, you know, Tyler, it's one of those things where it's um, it's interesting. <laughs> you know, sometimes people would say to themselves. Hey, I wish I could actually be covering the Eagles, but now I get Andy Reid, and <laughs> I've been already telling some Chiefs fans around town. Well, here's the deal: since I've followed him forever, I can tell you this: you want you really want to go to the Super Bowl, hire one of the assistants, because that's what Andy Reid won the Super Bowl with Peterson. He was an assistant under Andy Reid. So, Same with John Harbaugh too. Yeah. Yeah, where John Harbaugh is like so. I think Andy Reid's a great coach. He's got great acumen offensively. Obviously, the transformation with the offensive system he introduced under Patrick Mahomes was great. He squeezed a lot of Alex Smith, which I don't think he gets the proper credit for because we've actually seen how Alex Smith really is. Even though he was injured with the Redskins, you can still tell in the first nine or ten games that wasn't going anywhere under Jay Gruden. So, you know, sometimes he doesn't get the proper credit he deserves for really reinventing offense under – under uh, Alex, and now getting the hands to get Mahomes. Just hope he doesn't screw it up. If you know what I mean. But he's a uh, he's a good coach. I always liked him with the Eagles. What he did with Donovan McNabb. Donovan McNabb. He's been blessed to have good quarterbacks. Plus, he's a good guy. I mean, he's gone through a lot with his family uh, issues, and 
you know, you, you want to see him succeed, but you also want to make sure that, you know, you can keep time management better or, or just not make, it the, make, not make a wrong decision here. You know, he was outcoached in the first half by Bill Belichick in the AFC Championship game. There's no question about it. The Patriots ran their game plan to a team. So, or you've got to tip your cap and realize, all right, he's in the AFC and he's facing the Patriots, who, as long as Brady's still there, they're never going away. But there's, you just got to beat it. And is he the guy for it? Sure. But it's just going to be, from a personal perspective, just interesting to see times yours being said over and over again. Right, right. I've always said that uh, when it comes to the playoffs, Andy Reid is Marvin Lewis with a better credit score. <laughs> that's a good one. I never thought of it that way, but that's a good way of saying it. That's definitely a good way. Oh, yeah. Because yeah, everybody's got to check your credit score. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little bit better. He's not, you know, major in debt by any means, but I mean, like, he's not, you know, gaining much either as far as that goes. No. Exactly, yeah. Uh, slight gain this like, year, getting the AFC title game, but, you know, yeah. big loss in the AFC Championship, too. Exactly. As far as yeah, that. sometimes you have to wonder, it's like, all right, when he's done so many things well and been to so many, he went to like four or five NFC Championship games. He's obviously been the one with the Chiefs. You have to wonder yourself, like, man, he's Super Bowl, even though he had that many trips, and now you're just starting to wonder to yourself, all right, how can I make this? How can, if you're Andy Reid, you're going to sit there and go, all right, I've only got so many years left in this. How can I make this the year where it finally comes to fruition? I can get a team over to hump and win a darn Super Bowl. And right. he's got the pieces, and he's got his guys now. It's back only the defensive coordinator. So now it's just up to him. Right. Well, it's like, uh, you know, I mean, you and I saw the Thunder in Oklahoma City for years. Uh, you know, how did Scott Brooks never get the Thunder a championship and only go to the finals one time? Uh, I mean, there's that level of coaches that – are good enough to get you to a certain place, but not quite get over the hump to win a title. Uh, we've seen that time and time again, uh, and Andy Reid is an example of that uh, as far as that goes. Let's move on, talk some Big 12 hoops. Uh, K-State leading with a one-game a one lead with about, what is it, five games left in Big 12 play. KU and K-State play on Big Monday. KU gets Texas Tech this upcoming Saturday, and Texas Tech is right there along with uh, KU uh, tied for second place just a game back. On this 21st day of September, or September, of, uh, where are we at? I can't even keep track. Of February, uh, Harold, if you were to guess who is going to win the Big 12 as of right now, who are you going to take, or are you going to take a number of teams? Who, who would win, who, who do you think is going to win this league uh, with five games left where we stand right now? I mean, the old saying is you always go with the team who wins until they don't win anymore. So in that sense, you got to go with KU because they still they seem to be piecing it together just a slight bit. I know they got a tough stretch coming up, but they're piecing it together. I mean, Agbaji has been exceptional. <laughs> they, they take off the red shirt off of him, and he's been putting up. I think he put up over twenty points three three games since he's been back on. <coughs> and then Deidre Lawson kind of knows their role, and Bill Sauls had to do a lot more coaching. Uh, he's had to do a lot more X's and O's, a lot more, a lot more hands-on approach. But at the end of the day, there's still talent on that team that some other teams just don't have. And he's going to take advantage of it. They're not intimidated by going on the road. Lubbock is going to be a tough place to play, at least this Saturday. But they've already got confidence in the fact that when they played Texas Tech last time, they were coming off a couple tough losses. And 
They beat them up pretty good. They had that whole Silvio D'Souza controversy throughout the week. They came back and, you know, they made it happen. So I think Bill Self's got them, got them ready to go. The only thing, the only wild card I put in this is the health of Dean Wade. If he stays healthy for Kansas State, they've got a real shot at it. Their schedule's favorable. Obviously, they got Oklahoma State this week. Oklahoma State, as you and I both know, they're limited in numbers right now. But they're still trying hard. They just beat TCU the other day, so Kansas State still has to show up, but it should be a win for them. Um, but otherwise, when it comes down to it, KU, if they can get through a stretch where they get K-State at home, K-State has, hasn't won an Allen Fieldhouse forever. Um, one win in forever. That's pretty much their record at Allen Fieldhouse. And then they get through Lubbock. I think the Big 12 is Kansas. Well, and, and I look at this, you know, in, in KU stretch, people tend to forget that, that 14 straight years that they've won the Big 12, some of those have been shared titles before with the way that this league stacks up. I know Iowa State lost the other night to Baylor, but that's a good team. Tech's a good team. K-State's up there. We, we could be talking about it's not out of the rubble possibility to have two or three teams sharing, maybe even a fourth possibly, that Big 12 championship. And that would be enough to keep the streak going for KU, get it up to 15. Uh, even a shared title would do that. I mean, this is not a crazy possibility that we could be talking about multiple champions when this league title is handed out. No, absolutely. I mean, that's what makes the Big 12 so fun is that, you know, night in, night out, you're going to have a competitive game, even the bottom feeders. Like, I know this year is a little different because West Virginia's down, Oklahoma State's down, but in years past, it's been all 10 teams have been tournament quality teams, at least going after the non conference schedule. So it's a battle, and you got to bring you got to bring your A game. You know, you bring a B game, you're probably going to lose, especially if you go on the road. So it's just a battle with the Big 12. It always has been, but Kansas kind of straight. They always kind of you know get through the fray of it. They have their ups and downs. We've seen it before the past couple of years. They'll go down. We always ask the question, is this the year? K-State's up two games. The next thing you know, K-State goes off and, and loses at home to Iowa State. And we're back in the race. And then Iowa State goes off and loses to Baylor at home. So it's just a race. It's just a Big 12. It's competitive. It's the toughest conference in college basketball. I'm not going to say it's the best conference because obviously the ACC would have better teams than the Big 12, even though top to bottom, I believe the Big 12 is just a tougher conference. But at the end of the day, when it comes down to Kansas, they've been through this. You know, they got guys who've been through this. They have coaches. They have coaches who've been through this. They know the ups and downs. They make adjustments and they move forward, and they usually come out on top. But Kansas State, they have a senior-laden group. So they're the biggest threat, and they would love nothing more than to go to Allen Fieldhouse and win a game. So they're the biggest threat. The health of Dean Wade's the biggest threat, but then you got um, if they if they had Carter Dr, that would make a huge impact. But obviously they don't have him coming off the bench, but they still have great seniors like Barry Brown who's been scoring at a high level. So it just comes down to can Kansas just take care of home court? If they take care of home court and don't slip up, I think it's theirs theirs to have. Well, and they haven't lost a game at home all season uh, at this point, so. Uh, I know they've struggled on the road this year, but their home record has been outstanding. So uh, if they hold serve at home, then uh, they should be in good shape as far as that goes. Harold Kuntz joining us here on the program right now. Harold, uh, a couple more things, then we'll let you run here. Uh, our Oklahoma friends, I'm sure, would would like to hear from you on this. Is uh, What were your thoughts on Kyler Murray choosing the uh, NFL over Major League Baseball, and how do you feel about his chances at uh, playing at the next level? 
You know, I think overall with the pick of the NFL, I think it speaks more to the fact that you know, he gets the ninth overall pick in the draft and he gets the $4.5 million salary, which is great. But then if you go to the NFL, the ninth pick is light years ahead of it. So he's making a smart business decision. I know Scott Boris is going to be disappointed, but at the end of the day, you know, look, you're only promised so much to the major leagues. At least for football, you know you're on an NFL roster the moment you get drafted. In Major League Baseball, in his case with Oakland, he might be on the Beloit roster or the uh, Midland, Texas roster. So if you're going to get drafted by the Miami Dolphins, that's a lot different to play in Beloit or Midland. Those guys, you know, he's always been kind of like, you know, he went to Allen High School in Texas, which is like got the $18,000 stadium here with, 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 that costed $60 million with the suite. And he goes to Oklahoma, he's well set up. So he's, he's, he's more of a guy that's like, all right, he goes to places where it's nice and set. That's not Beloit and Midland. So he went back to the Major League Baseball people and said, hey, if you give me however many, if you give me more incentives to play, I'll play. But they never had incentives to offer him because Major League Baseball's rules are, quite frankly, a little antiquated. that with Bryce Harper holding out, and rightly so. I mean, Manny Machado signed his $300 million deal, but Harper's like, well, $300 million for us, and I think I'm better than Machado, then maybe I should go for $325 or $350 million. But nobody wants to do it in Major League Baseball. And then a lot of times, going back to the kids in the minor league system, they'll hold them back just so they can save a buck or two. So baseball just needs to fix their system. And I don't blame Murray one bit for going out. Now, as for his success on the field in the NFL, Everybody talks about size. I don't think size is really a big deal now with the whole way the NFL offense is more and how they protect the quarterback. But I do say it's still going to be difficult for him to put his pieces all together because you still got to learn the NFL system. You're not going to be able to run away from those fast defensive ends, fast linebackers. So he's a good pocket. He's a good pocket passer. He's proved it. He proved it at his time in Oklahoma. But he's not going to be able to free will as much as he probably would be able to in college. And in the Big 12, as we found out when we played Alabama, that initial shock of seeing those fast defensive ends, that was, I mean, that affected him greatly. Now he got used to it, and I think Oklahoma made some adjustments. But for Kyler, I think his, his biggest thing is he needs to learn the offensive system. I think I've seen the Dolphins, the Mel Kuyper's uh, mock draft as one of the teams he might go to. Obviously, with Kingsbury, he's getting calls, John Gruden with the Raiders. Um, I think wherever you go, you should have to learn the NFL offense and make it tailored for him and and also not copy the Baker Mayfield way because a lot of people think, oh, well, Baker Mayfield did it this way under Lincoln Riley, so maybe Kyler will be able to do it too. No, they're two completely different quarterbacks and not just on size either. So Kyler's just got to get acquainted with the NFL offense and see how it goes, but I think his success will be good. I mean, he's going to be a rookie, so at the at the end of the season, you're probably looking at you're hoping for six or seven wins. That would probably be considered success for him. And that's if he even starts the first couple of weeks. I don't think he should be thrown into the fire immediately. He should learn whatever team they have, besides the veteran, or even the competition, one or the other. But he just needs to learn competition, know that, hey, losing happens in the NFL, I'm going to have to get used to it. And once he gets over that, I think there's good success because the talent's there, the natural ability's there. It's just got to translate to an NFL level.
Right, right. That's that's the big key uh, as far as that goes. Harold, uh, before we uh, let you run here, uh, I, I know that you love to rant and rave uh, and get things out there. Is there anything you need to get off your chest that's just been bothering you a bit that, that you need to let out there? Oh, I'd love to rant about moving, Tyler. Moving is terrible. I think no one should ever have to move. Um, move moving is one of those things where you just throw things in a truck. You throw a lot of... You, you always realize how many things you have accrued over six years living in one city. So you always want to sit there and tell yourself... You always want to sit there and tell yourself, i got to get this thing out of the way. i got to throw stuff away. And then, you, you know, now, when I first moved to Oklahoma... I didn't have a wife to deal with. Now I got a wife to deal with. And she wants to keep things. Just that third, sentimental about stuff. And I'm like, come on, we got to throw things away. Only so much fits in the truck, babe. And she's like, well, I don't know. I like this shirt. Like, it's a shirt. You got four Raising Cane shirts. You know, you keep one. Like, she loves going to the um, the escape room. She's got six escape room shirts. You only need two. We know we got out of it. It's like, well, what about the dresser? We need extra blankets to cover it. It's like, well, guess what? The dresser was already banged up because it was used. It's already used. <laughs> moving is stressful. I don't like moving. That's my rant of the day. <laughs> oh, oh, that's good. That was good, Harold. Uh, and and you moved a couple times within Tulsa, too. Uh, I, I know you were living. You, you and Mike Grogan used to be roommates, right? Oh, yeah, the weather guy. Yeah, it was great. The weather guy. But he was always clean and organized. His move would be nice and structured, and he had family helping him. My move would be like, whatever I can fit in the car, drive to the place, drop it off, and then drive back, get more stuff in the car, and then drive back. Because I wasn't going through all the organizational stuff. I was like, well, you know what? I'm putting stuff in here, put stuff in there. But I knew it was essentials first. Clothes and television and underwear. I was good to go after that. <laughs> That's really all you need is clothes, television, and underwear. Yeah. And then yeah. like the rest will work and itself out. Point- Throw away the toiletries. You'll get back with other toiletries later. <laughs> right, right. Just go buy more later. Yeah. Yeah. Just go buy. Go to Target or Walmart. You're good to go. Right. Exactly. Exactly. That's great stuff. Uh, Harold. Uh, hopefully, hopefully you have enough uh, raisin canes and breakout t-shirts to uh, to last for you and your wife while you're up here and, and enjoy yourself here in KC. And and I will see you around. We we, we got a whole lot to cover. This could be a busy next few weeks uh, into March as uh, the madness will be here uh, here pretty soon. And I uh, yeah. look forward to it. Harold, thanks for your time. Uh, where can people connect with you and find all your great stuff here in KC now, man? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, you can find me at Harold Arcoots, number three, on Twitter and Instagram. And we're currently setting up the Facebook site. We're getting that handled. But I, I got the green light to switch it over from Tulsa to Kansas City. That's great. So I get to keep those followers. And also, I don't do Snapchat because I just can't understand it. I know I'm like 33 years old. But you tried, too. still too young for me. It's still too young for me. And uh, our friend Martina would be very disappointed in you, by the way. I bet he would. I bet. I bet, I bet they would. But it, it, this is just me. I'm speaking for myself here. I, I don't get. I don't get. Um, what do they call it? Filters and everything like that. I, I. I just don't do it. Like I don't get what the fascination is about putting Harry Potter glasses over me or putting a a, a, a dog tongue coming out whenever I open my mouth. I don't get the fascination of it. Yeah. He's very, <laughs> He's very fifth gradeish to me, but hey, what can you do? Right, right. I'm thinking that you know you're you're going to be a regular at my radio show here pretty soon. I'm thinking that like we need to do a weekly segment where like we put a number between one to one hundred on a likelihood of something happening. Like maybe we could call like put a number on it or something. Oh yeah, fifty six. 
I'm ready to go, Tyler. <laughs> well, very original idea. Very original thinking. Very, Thank you. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Harold, thanks for the time. Uh, appreciate you joining us, and we'll talk again soon. All right, man. Thanks. Big thanks to Harold Coots for joining us here on the Jones Report today. Tyler Jones back here with you now as we're wrapping up things before we get out on uh, this week's edition of the show. Reminder, full show next week with Thomas Bridges and company uh, right back here on the Jones Report. So look forward to that and uh, look forward to bringing that to you here uh, next week. Uh, a couple of things and then we'll run. Uh, this this Big 12 race, so exciting coming down to the wire here for KU and all these other teams that have a shot to win this league title. K-State's definitely in the driver's seat. They are in the best position of anybody to win this league. But that game against KU on Monday night, here's a couple things to look at. It's you know a coaching matchup of Bruce Weber versus Bill Self. It's at Allen Fieldhouse. KU is playing really good ball as of late. Arguably their best basketball of the season. Marcus Garrett is about to come back. All those things just seem to be adding up against K-State, despite the good things that K-State has done. And, you know, that Texas Tech game is not going to be easy for KU, but neither is that K-State game either. Here's here's what I look at. K-State, I think, uh, very easily can go 4-1 and one in that stretch. I feel like if they beat KU, there's probably going to be one that they end up giving up that they almost sacrifice, in a sense. If they get one against KU, then I would expect a letdown in one of the other games based on, you know, this is K-State, this is Bruce Weber. On KU's end of things, you know, taking on Texas Tech, that tough defense, then K-State back-to-back, that is a gauntlet. I don't think it's impossible, but that is extremely tough to get through those two games. And then, not to mention, besides those two teams and the situations you're in, you still have Texas Tech hanging back there. You still have Iowa State. You still have Baylor contending here. It is hard to imagine anyone in this five-game stretch going 5-0. and If someone, if, if KU, Texas Tech, or uh, you know, K-State goes 5-0, and they win the league. That's it. That's done with that's a whole other ordeal but here's the other thing here's the other thing there's still those other teams Iowa State and Baylor that'll have their say too I think it's very possible we're talking about multiple teams winning this big 12 championship everybody's talking about the streak and what the streak means and all this I get that that is a big deal of course but in that 14-year stretch that the streak has gone on for the University of Kansas, there have been shared titles in the past. I know I, ha- I have said I think K-State's going to win this league and win this league outright. There's been some injuries, no doubt about that. But KU is positioning themselves much better than they've been all season long in the Big 12 to get this done. If you had to ask me right now, I would say that K-State is going to win a share, but I'm not confident they're going to win the whole thing outright. And if you had to ask me right now, I would say probably KU is going to win a share as well. That would be my guess. KU and K-State are going to split this league. But does anyone really know? I don't think so. So we'll see.
I think when you look at both these teams, yes, we do like to criticize Bruce Weber, and he's not on Bill Self's pedestal, but we got to give credit where credit's due to some of these coaches. In Bruce Weber's case, to grow those seniors and to put them in this position to do things that K-State doesn't do. This is not what K-State does. That deserves credit. For KU to find some way with you know these, these scrums to be in this position, that deserves credit. Scott Drew has got to be the worst, best coach in the country and finds his way to put his team in position. Steve Prom, no one wants to give him credit for what he's done. And they're two games out. You have really good coaches in this league that have found a way to put their teams in position to win this Big 12 championship. And I think that right now, if I had to guess who's going to get it done, I would say you know, you, at this point you look at a pure numbers standpoint and K-State and KU have the best chance to share that league title, I think would be the most likely scenario at this point. But nothing's going to surprise me as nothing would surprise anyone else at this point i'm sure back next week full show looking forward to it make sure to uh, subscribe to the show itunes soundcloud google play spotify give me a follow on twitter at tyler jones live at tj media group facebook.com forward slash tyler jones live and uh tj media group you can find us there big thanks to harold Kuntz for joining us and uh, check him out on uh, fox forward and all his social media he does a great job and uh, looking forward to talking to him a lot more here in his time in the uh, KC area. Thanks for joining us.